0: Welcome into the Husker 247 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer joined by Michael Brunts. No Brian Christofferson. He is enjoying a much needed, much deserved vacation, similar to potentially Kevin Warren, if one Josh Pate Twitter account could be believed. Michael Brunts, how do you feel about Kevin Warren being on vacation right now?
1: Uh yeah. I mean, he's putting put in the work. I mean, he should probably get a couple days in the Caymans to uh I don't know what he was doing. He had his he
0: had his earbuds in, so he might have been working. It's hard yeah. to know. I my my big takeaway is I'm jealous. So I want to go to the Cayman Islands. So I don't want to I don't want to be here in Nebraska where I wake up at six in the morning and I go outside and it's already gross out. You know, you'd be you go be gross by the ocean. Yeah, if I'm gonna be gross, it, it'd be better if there was a nice scenic view that goes along with it instead of just my backyard and Slider taking a dump. That's not scenic enough for me.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's not vacation. Um, and <laughs> the the other thing, I mean, Kevin Warren, if we're being honest, is just waiting for one phone call, right? I no. mean, we're in, it's not uh, there's not a lot of wheeling and dealing. I mean, he's he's sending a lot of calls to voicemail, I'm sure, and basically just waiting for whatever the South Bend, Indiana, area code is.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's save a little conference expansion talk for the end. I think what the people want, though is Nebraska's 2023 recruiting class expansion that grew by two, technically three since the last time we spoke. Barry Jackson committed on Saturday, wide receiver from Georgia, and then the Huskers picked up another wide receiver, O'Marian Miller from Louisiana, and finally Dylan Rogers, linebacker from Texas. Both of those commitments came on a, uh, a double-barrel action Tuesday Where do you want to go with this? You want to start with some wide receiver talk and we can continue the conversation about Mickey Joseph blowing up that room and starting over from scratch. Do you want to go to Dylan Rogers? Where, what, what interests you the most, So I'm going to let you dictate where we start. It's a choose your own podcast. I, I will go
1: with, uh, let's go wide receivers because that's, I mean, I, Barry Jackson was expected. We also expected a Marion Miller to be in the class at some point. Uh, he jumped in early last week. When you pair those guys with Jaden Doss, I mean, is the, from from where things were when Mickey Joseph came to Nebraska, has he completely ripped everything down to the studs at this point in rebuilding or, or is it a, he's patching. I mean, what, what kind of demo metaphor should we be using
0: here? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Spackle. Uh, is he spackling? Well, is he, is he taking an old house in an established Lincoln neighborhood and demolishing it to rebuild something a little bit too modern? No, he, he's just doing a Bob Vila. It's he, he's, he's this old house. Yeah, I I don't know that it's been completely redone because there's still some guys in there. You know, Elante Brown's a holdover, uh, Sean Hardy, Camonte uh, Grimes, and then, of course, you have Oliver Martin, Omar Manning as well. But it's pretty close to being a complete flip if that makes sense I mean I I just I look at you know Hardy and Grimes I think they got to have good fall camps or they're going to get passed by Janerian Bonner and DeColdis Crawford and uh, I don't think that's just Mike Schaefer speculating wildly I think if you go back and you listen to what Mickey Joseph said um, in in the spring those guys have a lot to show I think Victor Jones Jr even you know he was here this spring I think he's got a Kind of show this fall camp, like, hey, I'm on the trajectory where you want me to stick around. I, I just think that's where it's at with Mickey Joseph. My understanding of it is that you know his expectation for that wide receiver room is pretty damn high, coming from where he did at LSU, and you know he doesn't. It doesn't matter to him who's here and and why. If you're here and you're going to play for him, you're going to earn that playing time. And if you're not going to play for him, you've earned that too. And and it it certainly feels like. It's a big fall camp for a number of guys over there, um, not the least of which the the incoming transfer portal guys. Trey Palmer, who he knows about, and Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, who I believe he's really excited to finally get the opportunity to coach. So that room in the future could look very, very different than it does in August of 2022. And I think O'Marion Miller is going to be a really big part of that. I, I think that he was a key target. You know, Mickey Joseph has now gotten two wide receivers that were committed to LSU to flip to Nebraska. One's already signed in Crawford. He could play as early as this year. And the other in O'Marian Miller, I mean, like I uh, I wrote about his high school offensive coordinator, uh, Regan Smith, who's coached some really good wide receivers in his time, views O'Marian Miller as the best he's ever seen, in part because he just thinks the physical gifts and his route running is just so much further advanced than other players he's been around at the same age. So uh, I I think that wide receiver room has the potential to look really different. What fascinates me from from the Mickey Joseph rebuild perspective is I look at a Barry Jackson and, you know, it's pretty easy for fans to kind of look at that and maybe scratch their heads a little bit. Memphis was his other official visit. Mississippi State maybe had a little of interest there. But Mickey Joseph, besides coaching the Terrace Marshalls and the Jamar Chases, has been known to go out and do some different evaluations and come back with kids that he's a lot more excited about than the industry is. And maybe Barry Jackson's that kind of fine, Brunts. I mean, the numbers, uh, the high school statistics aren't explosive, but you can see a guy who runs pretty well. And I think there's a reason that Mickey Joseph wants him in this class.
1: Yeah, I I think – He's kind of that classic slot guy. I think he's probably uh, a benefit on special teams as well. I mean, I, I think too. I mean, he he hasn't really been the featured guy in that offense in high school yet. So, I mean, I, I think that's maybe part of the issue with the uh, just straight numbers. But you know, I we we talk about this a lot with Travis Fisher, where you you have to trust the eval a little bit, and where. You know, a, a coach sees something that clicks with a guy, and I, I think that's the situation with Barry Jackson. I mean, you, you're right. the The offer list that's there is not not particularly eye catching, but this is a guy that's played at a relatively high level in Georgia for a good program, which I think that does matter. Like, I always get a little iffy when you start seeing guys commit. Who are who are maybe from poor high school programs? That always gives me a little pause. But I think with with Jackson, he's been around high quality athletes, and I, I think too that you know it, it's uh, you know a little bit more of, of of a different look maybe from what you've gotten with Bonner or Miller uh, or even a Malachi Coleman type. I mean, it's it's just Malachi a Coleman, di- a different body type that that uh, you know that Mickey's recruited. So. That that's kind of where my mind goes initially, and I, I think you know he, he's a nice compliment to Jaden Doss in, in this class, and, and certainly Mary Miller too.
0: Yeah, it's going through that exercise I kind of did after O'Marion oh, Miller committed. You're going to himself. do it. You're going to do it. Going through the wide receiver thing, <laughs> sure. Let's what if you? It, want... Oh, go ahead. No, it's
1: bad. Like, it, yeah. It's, yeah, go go ahead. I didn't want to steal your thunder, but it's it's. What?
0: No, it's not about stealing my thunder. One of the things, just kind of looking at the names on that list, Nebraska got really weirdly overloading of wide receivers that were under six foot tall, that weren't physically developed before they got here, and then just sort of expected that they would go out and have success in maybe the biggest, physically biggest conference in the country. And... I, you know, go back to thinking about how the conversations were happening in 2019 when it's the first year without Stanley Morgan. J.D. Spielman, Cade Warner, and Mike Williams are sometimes your top three wide receivers out there. Kind of, I know of, wasn't healthy. And you remember how often we were talking about how they couldn't get the ball to the edge of the field because they couldn't block out there? Like, if you go look at some of these wide receivers that didn't work out for them, the the almost common denominator is they were like five foot ten, 175 pounds. And so one of the things that jumps off the page to me about what Mickey Joseph has already done is, is two of the guys that he signed and one of his wide receiver commitments already are bigger body guys. I mean, they're they're already six foot two. I mean, you've seen Janerian Bonner a couple times already, Brunts. I mean, that is a dude, like he is a large individual already at six foot three. I mean he's still gonna build his frame out. Zach DeVall still gonna put some weight on there. But the Dakota's Crawford, same thing. There's a thickness level there that you weren't getting from Will Nixon and Jaron Woodyard and uh, you know, insert wide receiver recruit. I mean Jamie Nance, I think came to campus at 160 pounds or Demarion yeah. Houston. Yeah. One of those two guys from Oklahoma. So I, I just think already one of the things that I appreciate is that where I think an error was made is they thought that they could get some lighter guys, stick weight on them at some point, throw them out there and they'd be fine. I think when you look around the big 10, it's a, you know, it's a pretty physically developed wide receiver conference. Like you just don't have guys that are five, ten, 10, 170 pounds, lighten this conference up. Yeah. Well, and it's,
1: I, I think in some ways you can, I mean, this goes back before Scott Frost's staff, too. I mean, they had significant issues during Mike Riley's tenure uh, outside of Stanley Morgan of keeping scholarship guys on the team and, and developing them. I mean, say that first off. But I think that there is kind of, to your point, a very clear dividing line of we came to the Big Ten with an idea of how we were going to run things. And this is how we did things at Oregon, how we did things at UCF. We killed people with speed. And, you know, the, the guys in that class bear that out. I mean, Jerron Woodyard and Mike Williams are perfect examples of that, of guys that you hoped could come in and be plug-and-play type guys. And Mike Williams is
0: what – he's the only guy to, to finish. Yeah. That, his, that one stunned me. Yeah. Like, looking through there, he's the only person to leave with a degree – from Nebraska. Uh, Jaron Woodyard may have gotten one. I wasn't able to to suss that out on Tuesday. He transferred. Uh, he, he did tra- transfer. Yeah. I just don't know if he was like a fifth-year transfer.
1: So, but, but I think what you saw was like, okay, we're going to do it this way. And then I obviously Xavier Betts was a guy locally that you had to mm-hmm. get, and he had a different body type. But I think that was maybe where you saw the, the kind of light bulb almost in that it was like in that COVID year, I want to say that, that it was like, okay, we need to start to transition a little bit here to the type of wide receiver we're getting. Because I think the thing that maybe people underestimate in some ways about the big 10 is it's a big physical defensive backfield that you're, you're facing weekend and week out. And in addition to those guys being really big, they can also run too. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, maybe where you've seen the the transition. And that's how you start getting guys like Omar Manning that are a little bit more physically imposing. Um, and, and you know, I, I think Nebraska will be, will be better for that. And I, I think, too, to your point about the size, Stanley Morgan played bigger than he was. Yep. And I think that's where you started, too, to see that Nebraska was struggling to get the ball farther downfield because you didn't have those big body guys to go up and, and win those 50-50 matchups. So we'll see if, if this all pays off. Um, another guy that you didn't mention, kind of a changeover, Marcus Washington, another kind of bigger guy. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, it it, it is interesting. And, and you know, the, the common theme, though, across multiple coaching staffs is – there just haven't been a lot of guys that Nebraska's brought in, developed, and have had success um, in, in a Nebraska uniform.
0: There, there's another factor that goes into that, where you know when when people talk about uh, getting old and saying old, Nebraska's never done that at the wide receiver room, and I think that also matters too because you look around a lot of these teams, you know, when you're facing an Iowa and a Wisconsin and a Minnesota those are programs that are really building their rosters for those guys to be playing as, as third year sophomores or, you know, fourth year juniors, fifth year seniors, but you're going against men. And so when you're 175 pounds as a freshman redshirt, freshman wide receiver, and you're going against like an Antoine Winfield junior or whomever in these secondaries, you know, pick a guy from Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. It's sort of, They're all kind of similar in terms of the body type. And they're also 23, sometimes 24 years old. I I think that matters too uh, when talking about Nebraska's offense and some of the issues that they've had over the last couple years is that because they don't keep enough guys around for the duration of their careers, oftentimes they're physically less developed because they're not nearly as old. The age difference between the defense that they're going against, usually in conference, and the offense of which they have, I mean, they're they're almost always a younger unit on the team when we're talking about the offense. That wasn't true for them defensively last year. They were certainly older than a lot of teams they played. But I I think that's one of the things that I have come to appreciate more about the Big Ten now uh, because of that physical size development too than maybe I would have thought of five years ago when Scott Frost first got here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's – I think a little – a guy like a Rondell Moore is more of the exception – Than than the rule in the Big Ten for sure. And I think your point too, I mean, it it seems like there's any number of issues, but when Nebraska would have the short passes to the outside, I mean, you you need those bigger physical guys. Even last season, those types of plays looked a little bit different when you had an Omar Manning or somebody like that Mm -hmm. out in front of it versus, you know, a Mike Williams who, you know, bless him, would try really hard to block but I mean it's just a different look that you can give teams out on the edge
0: no doubt about it okay so Dylan Rogers inside linebacker Texas uh six foot two and a half 230 235 pounds already um I I don't want to say that this is a direct comparison but when I see that body profile I watch the highlights he feels more like a classic north south linebacker to me and I, I know that they they think he can run, and and that he feels like he can cover sideline to sideline, but this really does feel more to me like a North South, Michael Rose Ivy Josh Banderas type of middle linebacker more than a Luke Reimer, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's if you watch his highlights, he he does run well, and mm-hmm. he does it from almost like a. He lines up deep, like like, like a monster. Not quite a safety. Not quite like he's he's like in the middle. A monster. Of there. Is, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. We, well, maybe
0: they're running the Virginia Tech four-three Bud Foster system where he got the monster. What do they call it? In South
1: Carolina, the star. So they used to call it or the, something like that. Spur, I don't like to talk about spur. what they
0: call things in South Carolina because the message board names scare me. Yeah. Well, I think it was the spur.
1: Um, so maybe you know whatever message board poster with um Gamecock and his name can correct us but um <laughs> but i mean that that type of a hybrid player but he moves well sideline to sideline and I, I i think that nebraska has seen the benefit of what a guy like luke reimer can bring to the table who can run that way i mean that that's just the way that you know reimer's strength i think Rodgers has the ability to run that way as well. I'm curious to see kind of what his body ultimately does when he gets to Nebraska. But, um, you know, he's, you know, one of your inside linebackers, Hayden Moore, um, is your other in the class. I mean, those are two pretty athletic guys. And and you're adding, you know, and Hayden Moore, who had over 100 tackles last year, and kind of has a similar nose for the ball. I think both of those guys, I, I would say, are a little bit undervalued right now by the industry Um, but we'll see what they can do with the strong senior year, especially Hayden Moore. I I think his, he he probably profiles as a little bit of a higher three-star.
0: Do you, do we give Barrett root enough credit for how well he's kind of stocked his room? I mean, there's already early reports about Ernest Hausman. I think Randolph Kapai, I I think, and this might be too simplistic, but Ernest Hausman slides into being Nick Henrich and Randolph Kapai slides into being Luke Reimer fairly easily if you're trying to project forward with with what you have there in that room and oh by the way you still have some other veterans I mean the room's deep enough that Chris Kolarovich has a new position I don't know if you saw this at huskers.com but he's a nickel now Prince. He he is he was there in the spring
1: too yeah he was he was but no I mean I I think that that that, that maybe the work that he's done in, in building his room has perhaps been overshadowed by the narrative of in-state recruiting. Uh, with with Barry. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's got right now, as it stands, a very solid two-deep. I think – I mean, I've said this on other podcasts. I think Ernest, ha- Ernest Hausman is going to play a lot this year on special teams. And I think he's going to play early on defense, maybe not this year a ton, but um, – I think he's got the right stuff to do it early. Um and are I mean, you are you
0: hearing these through the knitting circles in Columbus that you used <laughs> to use for your your Kurt Farmer reports for baseball? You, you
1: gotta be careful saying knitting circles in in certain places, but that that was spot on by the way, he's pilot now. Um <laughs> so yeah, I mean I, I I you've got a solid two deep. I mean you still have Vaughn Maga Clements who I mean, we, we hear such great things about, but he's so buried on the depth chart right now. Um, You you hope maybe you can find something for him. You still have uh, Garrett Snodgrass back there. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's a a solid, solid three deep right there. And (laughs) you're adding two pretty good prospects to the mix too. So I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a solid room. And I, I mean, when you're looking at the roster right now as it is and what, you know, you can kind of count on, I mean, it, they would have to be towards the top, I would guess, of a position group you'd feel okay about.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the opposite of of some other spots on the roster where it feels stocked for both current and for the future. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. All right, let's 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 transition out of recruiting a little bit. You were on a conference call with the folks from Ireland. This game is going to be played. This game is going to be played in Ireland. We know this now. We're only, what, five weeks away? No, that's not right. Six? We're, six, we're 51 days, I believe, from okay, so uh, the start. Six times seven is 42. Seven-ish weeks away Yep, from this game being played. What, uh, what was the tenor of the phone call with the, the Ireland folks? How was it? Uh, well, so
1: as of today, about 9,000 Nebraska tickets have been sold. Um, about 3,000 on the Northwestern side. And I believe on the 11th is when, um, the, the universities are no longer the exclusive, uh, of tickets. And, uh, they're expecting about seventy-five percent capacity in in Dublin. I think the the expectation was is that they were still kind of taking a little bit of a hit for, you know, people being skittish with COVID and um, everything else right now. But I mean that that's still a pretty good. Cra- I mean, it, it's funny the the stadium in Dublin is pretty similar sized to Ryan Field in Evanston, and I mean I three quarters full is probably about what you would expect in in Evanston with obviously more Nebraska representation, but I I think they're, uh, they're excited to get things going. It's, it'll be interesting because Nebraska gets over there on Tuesday morning of of game week. And then they essentially, I think leave like right after the game and fly back because they have to turn around and play North Dakota the following week. So that's probably going to be something that we're going to be talking about probably going to be some, some jet lag talk, but uh, we also got Nick Henrich today, and and Ramir Johnson, and both of them, um, you know, separate from one another, talked about how this is a business trip. I think that the lessons learned um, last year in Week Zero against Illinois are probably pretty fresh in their minds too. So, I, I think uh, I think they're focused on it, and not just the the extra stuff that comes along with the trip to Ireland.
0: Yeah, I I think the the kind of really interesting thing that comes along with it is that you're, you're playing this game and you just really have so many questions about Nebraska. I mean, the first opportunity to see what this offense is going to look like what Casey Thompson, if he's the quarterback looks like so many transfer portal players and their first game is going to be over in Dublin on what August 27th or something. So, um, uh, just, uh, uh, it's fascinating times. I, I am really curious, uh, what, what was kind of the mood like is, as, as you know, they're talking about it being a business trip. What, what other conversations or what else came out of Nick Henrich and Ramir Johnson today? Uh,
1: not a ton. I learned that Nick, Nick had been to Ireland previously. Oh, uh, wow. He, he's excited to go back. Uh, I learned that Ramir Johnson is a self-described big museum guy. Oh, so there, there's that, um, did he give you a rundown of his favorite museums? <laughs> he didn't. I was hoping he would. I like it's just some like really obscure museums, too. Like he's from Brooklyn, right? They have great museums out they, there, they do. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, you didn't learn a ton, but I mean, I, I think it's you know, when you kind of do the math on how quickly the season's getting here, I mean, it's it's a short summer. Um, you know, fall camp starts early with, with it being a week zero game, and I don't know. I mean, it, the it is. kind of fascinating because there's all of these questions, like you said, about Nebraska and kind of, you know, what this is going to look like, who's going to play, who's not going to play, all this other stuff. And you're, you're an ocean away and you're facing a Northwestern team that has some issues of its own. I mean, they went three and nine last year. Did they even, did they go three and nine last year? Yeah. Something like that. They, but I mean, they still have a lot of the issues that they had last season And that was the first time that I can remember in this series between Nebraska and Northwestern, just thinking that like Northwestern had absolutely no answers for anything. So, you know, you're kind of balancing all this newness with Nebraska against the background of, you know, you're facing a team right out of the gates that you absolutely blew the doors off of last season. So it's, uh, there's some interesting storylines, I think. Um, And, and Nebraska has got to get off to a good start. I mean, that that's, the, the one sure thing in this is you got to win this game and you got to get some early momentum in this season.
0: Is there any word if Kevin Warren will be over there for that game, checking out the possibility of expansion into Dublin for the big 10 conference?
1: I think he's flying directly from the Caymans to, to <laughs> Dublin. He's just gonna, well, he's gotta, he's gotta go to Indianapolis first. Um, oh, okay, I, yeah. I guess. But uh, yeah, Northwestern was three and nine last year, one and eight in conference play. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm uh I I don't know that they're expanding that way. They are waiting to hear from some Irish, though, I think.
0: Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Okay. We're now a little – we're about a week from when that news broke. Actually, exactly a week from when that news broke. What were kind of your initial thoughts upon learning that USC and UCLA will be Big Ten members starting in 2024?
1: Uh, well, I'm hoping that uh, the road trips to LA replace State College. That was my first <laughs> selfish thought. Um, but I, I don't know. It was okay. Okay,
0: you got to pick one. You either have to go to Piscataway every other year, or you have to go to State College every other year. I'm taking Piscataway and twice wow. on Sundays. Is it because it's just easier to fly into Newark? Well, yeah, and you you get the
1: city. You get New York City if you do it right.
0: You it's- get Harrisburg. <laughs>
1: You get Harrisburg whether you want it or not. You're going to get Harrisburg and you're going to like it.
0: That's the name of this episode, by the way. Yeah. You get Harrisburg. 24-7 podcast. You get Harrisburg!
1: Yeah. Uh, I I would definitely take Piscataway. It was a big... That was a big baller move, I thought, on the Big Ten's part. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think there's any way to slice it. And I've said this. A lot of the other realignment talk to me has been, you know... Somewhat regional. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas are still kind of in the ballpark of a lot of SEC schools, so that that wasn't like shocking. But I mean, when you add two schools in this, what the second biggest TV market in the country, um, two time zones away, all of a sudden in my mind, like any possibility is suddenly on the table for who you might add as a next school, and all of a sudden, you know, college football, you, one of the reasons it's great is because it's a regional, it was a regional sport and you, you kind of had that aspect to it. And I, you know, obviously the big tens expansion to Nebraska kind of took a little bit from that, but I mean, this completely blows that out of the water. And now, you know, you, you kind of have the fun parlor game of who's next and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a while, I think, until things are settled and you know it, it just seemed very un big 10 like to kind of throw the first punch i guess in this next round of um of shakeups am i wrong like it 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 just felt
0: out of out of character well i i don't know i feel like oklahoma texas was kind of the first punch right and then this was sort of this is an a counterparty this was an opportunity to respond the big 10 are too much of a gentleman to get into a barroom <laughs> brawl with the sec so pistols are done know they they went up to their corporate high rises in Chicago and made such a decision but i i think it's great i mean i view it from the lens of and, and if you can take yourself out of what does this mean for college football as a whole and put yourself in november and USC's playing Michigan at the big house in november in a game in which you know Lincoln Riley desperately needs to win or Jim Harbaugh desperately needs to win like this is awesome. This is more helmet games in the regular season. This is dream matchups that you could only ever see if the Rose Bowl worked out just perfectly. Like I, I don't know how anyone could be upset with what it means for the quality of television and quality of college football game that you could potentially get on a Saturday in the fall. I mean, I, I, I do understand that you lose some of the mystique of of regionalized college football that. You know, the Pac 10, Pac 12 is never going to be the same, that kind of thing. But I, you know, where college football is headed, this move is kind of a necessity. And you're talking about, you know, dreaming big. If they were to land the Irish that you were speaking of, that's another huge helmet game that you can match them up, whether it's Penn State, Ohio State, Nebraska, even Notre Dame, Iowa has somewhat of a draw. Like it's just, you you took some of these brands and with apologies to UCLA they get get a tag along a little bit here but you're taking two massive brands if you're able to add Notre Dame and USC and sticking them in your conference like it's just it's enormous i always felt like oklahoma was and oklahoma and texas would have been the best thing that that you could do um, this seems like the very next best thing that could have happened is adding USC. And selfishly, I I hope that you know if the pod system comes to fruition and permanent rivals exist, I kind of like the idea of Nebraska and UCLA mixing it up every year. You know, Nebraska out. I look, I would love a trip to go back to the Rose Bowl. I'll find a way to to invite myself with you and BC when Nebraska's playing out there in November in 2025. That kind of thing.
1: What does this mean for Nebraska, though? Because I, I, the more I think about it, you know, I you, you can pull on the recruiting strings with California if you want to. I mean, everybody was sending me the Calabrasca memes whenever it happened, um, but is there more pressure on Nebraska between now and when the, the new teams join to kind of get their house in order? Like, I, I mean, Nebraska needs to anyways, but... Sure. Is there more pressure because, I mean, you're adding these two new teams, the, the new kids on the block. Nebraska hasn't had the success that they would have liked, obviously, in the Big Ten era. It, it just seems like Nebraska is kind of at this tipping point a little bit of, of you know, are they going to be able to keep up with the USC's and the Michigan's and those schools, or do you risk kind of falling back into that middle tier more permanently? I mean, do you see it that way? Because I think there's a – I I think there needs to be some momentum for Nebraska going into this expansion in 2024.
0: Yeah. I, I I mean, I completely agree with that. Like this is a program in desperate need of anything that moves forward instead of constantly looking back or trying to figure out what went wrong. Um, I, I sort of view it as these are more opportunities for them to kind of try to reassert its status. I mean, if you get the opportunity to beat a USC uh at home in 2024 or something of that nature like i i sort of view it as you have a chance to kind of try to reestablish yourself but yeah as a program they have to they have to be able to move forward and and right now trev alberts is betting that scott frost can do that if early on in 2022 that's not the case and there's a major move and the eye has to be whoever it is that's taking over this program whoever running this program in 2023 you kind of have one year to sort of get this thing going. Otherwise you really do risk being Indiana or Purdue or Illinois or Northwestern or Iowa. Who's better than you or Minnesota. Who's recently been better than you. Those aren't programs. Nebraska fans want to associate with those are not programs. Nebraska football wants to associate with, but there's no one that's going to get it done other than them. Like they, you know, They'll have the opportunity to do it this year to assert themselves. You know, hanging a banner for the best three and nine team of all time isn't going to do it for you. So I, they've, they've got basically a two-year window to try to reverse what has been a seven-year funk, six-year funk. Uh, I don't know if they can do it. I really don't. But um, they they're going to have that opportunity. But, yeah, I mean – you do run the risk of if you can't get out of this cycle or if the, the ceiling has lowered so much that a seven and five year becomes kind of like the best that you can do. That's a real concern for Nebraska football moving forward. I do think though, the just continuation of the brand, the visibility, all of that's going to help, you know, Nebraska's fan base speaks for itself. Um, I, I view it as only a good thing. But, yeah, in the back of the mind, it's it's two more teams that can push Nebraska further into mediocrity. But it's Nebraska's job to prevent that. And it has yeah. been since the inception of, of the Big Ten in this iteration, and they just haven't done it.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the one thing I'll say, and we can maybe end close to this, but you, if you're Nebraska, you are tickled with the position you're in, though. I mean, to, to be in the Big Ten, to be settled somewhere – I mean, I, I just you know the, the conversation for the last decade has been oh you know should Nebraska have gone to the Big Ten? I, I, I you hear that you hear that less now, and you're going to hear it a heck of a lot less. But um, you know, it, having a home that's that's stable and you got that cash coming in, I mean that that's a a good place to be trying to figure that out from because I mean it's who knows what the Big Twelve is going to look like by that time? Um, you know the Pack Pack Ten now, I guess um for now uh who knows what they're going to look like so at least you're you're dealing from a position of strength um with with a little cash in your pocket
0: yeah no doubt about it i think another potential episode title is it's a good time to start winning football games (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah so uh i again i i'm over the moon about it in part because i think what could happen next i mean it's probably not likely but Hell, if they added Notre Dame and Miami, like this conference, it, again, like this is to me, this is kind of the dream. Like you get to see these games happen week in and week out. Uh, is it what we do of college football? No, but is it a new era and the Big Ten's positioned itself to be in the upper echelon? Yes, and that's good for Nebraska. That's good for the fans of Nebraska. Uh, might be bad for others, but such is life in twenty twenty two college football world. At you no longer have to wait for a random Foster Farms
1: bowl, RIP, to uh, to get UCLA and Nebraska again. So there's that. <laughs> uh,
0: and hey, it's big news for the uh, the what largest chapter of alums in the country and the Californians for Nebraskan. Yeah. So uh, you know, congratulations to them. They they're still probably partying this last week. All right, Brunt. Any uh, any final thoughts as we close up shop, shop here today?
1: Uh, no, we are two weeks away from big 10 media days. So, um, rest up now. It's, uh, it's going to be football season really fast. And we, we haven't even it like, you're, you're getting award, award list season. College football is upon us.
0: Who, uh, who's the most obscure Husker award list that you're going to write about this next couple of weeks?
1: Does our guy Bashini, does he make the Ray guy watch list?
0: Probably. Bleak Road for Groza might be a little bit more obscure.
1: I think Buschini's. you'll see
0: Volk-
1: you'll see Volk- like on the
0: Mackie, I'm guessing. Yep.
1: Um Yeah, I don't know. Isn't there like uh they've already done the the Ronnie Lott impact um watch list, I think. Have so they-
0: <laughs> how did they narrow it down to seven hundred and fourteen candidates? Yeah,
1: here here's one. Does Nebraska get a quarterback on any watch list?
0: Yes, Casey Thompson will be on a watch list. Right. The Heisman watch! <laughs> That's not official. Well, come on, just go with it. The
1: Unitas? Is, is that a...
0: Yeah, the Unitas, or was it... What's Davey O'Brien? Yeah, there you go. It's the Davey O'Brien. The Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award is something. Yeah. Like a senior quarterback. The Davey O'Brien is like best quarterback in the country uh doke walker is running back maybe uh i forget if that's running back or best offensive
1: player yeah i don't know we're trying our best study up it's coming fast it's it's watch list season what's
0: bronco nagurski
1: it's uh the lineman i think it's interior defensive lineman yeah
0: Yeah. does ty robinson qualify for that despite spending all of last year as an end i i I don't think so These are the hard-hitting questions yeah. that we are asking.
1: <laughs> We're really ending on a ended on a uh, strong note here.
0: <laughs> Everybody's in for some Bronco Nagurski talk.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, everybody. Be sure to check out Husker 24-7. Plenty of things going on. Obviously, Nebraska football just picked up three commitments. We have plenty of coverage. On that, the most indispensable Husker list rolling along. And we will dive back into that next week when Brian Christofferson joins us. And, of course, Anything and everything Husker's popping up on that site right now. Be sure to check out Husker 24-7. We'll catch you next time. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel off. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.